Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Howlin' Hoops podcast. As always, I'm Kyle, and Tom always joins me as well. Today, we, we've got a lot to, lot to discuss, a lot to think about. A couple of NC State games that did not go how we envisioned, and it was it was not not a pretty sight, I will to say the least. Uh, we've got some of those games to talk about, and then we'll we'll dive into our future uh, matchups against Miami and Georgia Tech this coming week. So, Tom, start us off, man. What 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 did you see in that UVA game? A terrible performance. I mean, it was just another game where it showed that we can't make shots and it's not like an anomaly anymore. We're a team that just struggles for the basketball. And, you know, people say, oh, you know, UVA is a good defensive team, but we just continue to take bad shots, tons of contested mid range at the end of shot clocks. And like even DJ struggled. Um, scoring the basketball five of twelve, and he's been really good against them. And he also had a couple turnovers, just one assist. So just overall, it was a terrible week for pack basketball. Yeah, not good. Not definitely not good. UVA, obviously, it's a that's a tough environment to play in. I'm not gonna lie. You know, we we had talked about on the previous podcast that. UVA is definitely the team that if we lose to them on the road this week, you know, we kind of take it with a grain of salt and you just, you move on from that game. Like we probably don't have a great chance of winning as we get into that game anyway. So we're kind of thinking to ourselves, well, you know, if we take a loss there, maybe we can find something and get some momentum into, into Syracuse, at least just get rid of that game. And only scoring about 15 points in the first in the first half was uh it was not great i will i will say that i was uh, very very displeased with the way that we lacked composure we lacked drive we lacked effort any sense of effort or urgency and it really bit us i mean i listened to a little bit of the pregame before before watching the UVA game, and I was listening to Keats talk about it was my it might have been before the UVA game, but it could have been before the Syracuse game too. I whichever one it was, I listened to him a little bit on the radio, like during their you know pregame show with that they do with you know either Gary Hahn or Tony Haynes, and I was listening to Keats talk, and they were asking him about you know how do you deal with different different people different teams, different people. And he was basically saying something along the lines of, you know, you got to prepare for each opponent differently. And yes, that's true. You got to prepare for different opponents in different ways, different matchups, all that stuff. It's, it takes a lot of effort to scout things like that. And I get that, but it was, it, but Keats can say all that stuff. But unless I see some improvement on the offensive end, and if actually if he doesn't just say it, but he's actually trying to put that into action, all that change that he's talking about, I I, I don't I don't buy his shenanigans for one second. I mean, you can talk the talk, 
But when you don't back up that or you don't walk the walk, what good is that going to do? And I, I feel like our players don't even really know what his game plan is on a day-to-day basis. I mean, that might be a stretch, but at the end of the day, it's like, why, why is it so hard for us to adjust to different teams? Why, why does it look like every other team adjusts well against us? And then we go and we're the complete opposite of that, where we look like we haven't scouted these guys in three years. Uh, some of it comes down to us being a super one dimensional team. We don't have guards who can get to the rim and finish. And we, the only type of inside game that we have is DJ and teams have really, really started to figure him out. Um, and it also, I mean, comes down to the fact that like, you know, Keith is trying to run this up and down defensive whatever you want to call it, full court pressing and stuff like that. But Burns is not made for that. Um, And we're not forcing tons and tons of turnovers. I mean, it, it, and then the turnovers aren't leading to points either. Like we're getting, even when we do turn them over, we're not getting easy opportunities. We're not speeding up the game at all. Because we can't if we have DJ in the game. He played 27 minutes. And, I mean, he, he had a stretch there where he was, like, our only option scoring the ball. But, like, he, he's just not it. And then our two bench bigs, especially in this game, showed no effort. They had been our guys, you know, DR and Middlebrooks on the glass, on the, um, you know, just on the defensive end, being the energy guys. Especially on the off- on the glass, we gave up twenty offensive rebounds, and we lost the overall rebounding battle by twenty two. I mean, I guess you can say the fact that we were even in the game by with getting out that getting outperformed on the glass by that much is impressive, but like it's just ridiculous. And then, dude, why is Jaden Taylor? We struggle offensively. <laughs> why is Jaden Taylor in the game for forty minutes? When we can't score the ball. Like O'Connell only played 28 minutes and he was the only reason we were in the game. And then, I mean, we'll talk about it a little later, but I, LJ needs to get more minutes. I can't, I just don't get Keats is an inept ability to figure out a rotation of guys that will get the job done game in game out. No, and I I agree with that. Like my like Michael O'Connell is is a spark plug, and the fact that Keats like will take him out when he's doing well, and then try to put in his maybe his ideal starting five again. It 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 just scream it just screams lack of knowledge and lack of ability to actually utilize your assets to your advantage because it might change from game to game where you know michael o'connell might be the spark one game but then maybe middlebrooks might be the spark another game maybe diara might be a spark a different game maybe dj horn but you know so we have players that can be 
a good momentum boost. But the problem is, is like after they start doing that a little bit, then Keats all of a sudden some for some reason takes him out because he wants his ideal starting five in there. That and, happened at the end of the game. You know, I felt like especially, you know, the last it was not the last couple of minutes, but the last six or so minutes before that, um, Diara was actually doing a good job of limiting offensive rebounds. He puts right. Burns back in, and we gave up like three straight possessions where they got an offensive rebound and a putback. And it's just like, I, I don't get it. And, you know, I hate the fact that I come on this on this pod and I bash Burns a lot because I really liked him last year, but he's not it. And, you know, it sucks, but he's just really not it. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it just really comes down to Keats not utilizing, like I said before, not utilizing his best players on the floor at the right given time. It's yeah. it's about it's more about putting in the players that he thinks deserve, I guess, the playing time. When in reality, probably the people sitting on the bench deserve more of the playing time than the starters. I mean, because like you said. There's no need for Jaden Taylor to play 40 minutes and have four points. Like there's there's no excuse for that. He is a he is a skilled player, but the problem is is he can be a cancer on the offensive end because teams will be like, oh well, he can't he couldn't hit water if he was standing on the beach. Well, it's not so even that. It's like it's it was like at the beginning of the year when he would catch the ball. And he'd go to the basket and have a good finish or whatnot. He doesn't do that anymore. He catches the ball and he's like, I don't want it. He was the guy that would get to the basket, be able to beat a guy off the dribble. We don't have that. Horn cannot beat a guy off the dribble and get to the basket and finish. It's just so frustrating. We don't have a guy who can get to the basket and draw a foul. Six free throws? Six? Six. That's it. Six. And we'll go. We'll go into it in the next game. It was even, even worse. Like this team is so frustrating because they are good enough and talented enough to do something, but I I don't understand it. I don't. Yeah. No. It, it's it's no one can really understand it. And I even listened to something Keats was talking about. He's like, yeah, I don't want to be playing down 20 and, you know, I don't want to be playing in games where we have to come back and win. It's like, then you got to change something up. Then that's, that's your fault. That is your fault. Why we are down double digits in the last like four games because of your philosophy and your inability to coach the offense, the way it should be run yet you run these same offensive sets like we haven't done them all year long and it was pretty and they're pretty much the same ones that we ran last year too all people have to do is just look at some form of tape and realize oh they're going to just run a screen over the top on the on the right where the perimeter is and on the top of the key across from wing to wing then pass it somehow try to get dj burns to post up and then he's gonna dribble about seven times before he gets doubled 
And then he will try to throw a cross court hospital ball pass. And it ends up getting either stolen or we somehow do get it, but then throw up a really horrible shot because it didn't do anything. And we're back to square one. I honestly wonder whether or not Keats watches film on other teams because I just don't get how we do not pick up on like some of the sets that other teams run and use them. It doesn't have to be every game that we use them. We just, you know, just to get an easy basket, you run a play that that can get you an easy basket, some type of setting up a backdoor cut or, or you know, just something that a team hasn't seen before. It hasn't seen from us. Yeah, if they've seen it from another team, that's okay, but it'll catch them off guard because they won't be expecting us to run that play. Mm-hmm. The, they scout our six plays or whatever we run, and they okay, we know exactly what they're gonna do, and you know, I honestly think it, it again goes back to Burns. I mean, almost every single set play we run is to get him the ball in the post, and he's not being efficient. And then he is a terrible screener. For as big as he is, he is terrible at screening. He screens space. He doesn't screen a person. He screens yeah. the space that the person might be in, and that's something you try to teach people not to do in middle school basketball. And then, like, our guards can't come off the screen, and, and you know, I mean, the only one that is a threat from downtown right now is Horn, so they're just going under, limiting drives, which is smart, but... <sighs> I don't know, man. It doesn't get you very far. I mean, and truthfully, like... You probably gave Keats a little too much credit. We probably only had like three offensive sets instead of like six plays or whatever. I mean, it, it's it's I've yet to see something different rather than like the three same plays. No, nah, I'd say it's about five or six. I can I can go in my head and think about three off the top, but if I like actually like, it's a struggle. A little, <laughs> thought about it a little harder i could think of probably five but yeah i mean it's it's just like and even some of the stuff we ran last year we're not doing this year some of the stuff that actually worked last year we're not doing uh i don't know that just comes down to film and and another thing I've, i've been thinking about this and this is probably something that you know we as fans haven't really thought about um much when talking about, you know, Keats's negatives um, is, I mean, other than Turquavion, we haven't had a recruit come in and make an impact like a freshman or a sophomore grow with the program and get better. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I guess technically Casey, but he wasn't a Keats recruit. He was a transfer. He was a transfer. And Casey honestly regressed this year for sure like his inability to have players grow with the program is another just complete negative like how Ernest Ross a top 100 recruit doesn't see the floor because he didn't develop like Keats couldn't develop him um 
He's getting less like how is Ernest Ross getting less playing time than Breon Pass? No, I'm not saying you should play. I'm just saying like he I mean, I don't think he should play. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean no, I mean LJ's shown flashes. But he's been showing flashes since he got here. He just doesn't get the playing time. I don't know. It's frustrating. Yeah. Very frustrating. And that game was in that game UV game was very frustrating cuz just like the pack do, they you know, they they get down by a lot and then they give you a false sense of hope that they can come back. And but then by then it's just it's almost just too late and it was it was a struggle, but you know, we'll UVA game. We don't we don't play UVA anymore this year. I mean, we might in the ACC tournament, but who knows? Um, at this point, I mean, who knows what the ACC tournament will, you know, look like? But yeah. on to Syracuse. Uh, so you know, Pack thinks that you know maybe we'll get an opportunity to redeem ourselves off of a you know a tough a tough UVA game. I'm sure they were you know pretty exhausted about about that whole game and probably didn't get a whole lot of rest leading up to the Syracuse game because yet again, we just looked flat. We just didn't look good on the offensive end again. And, you know, just made costly turnovers, bad passes. I mean, people, Michael O'Connell, I think like dribbled off of his own foot like once or twice. I mean, it just, it gave Syracuse just such a easy advantage and, like we had spoken about before, you know, Syracuse is a very long team and they didn't really play and they don't play that zone anymore like they used to. So they can spread the floor like crazy and make you really uncomfortable on that defensive end because of how long they are. And they, I mean, they, they, and they found a way to get to the free throw line. I mean, like we said, that Judah Mintz, man, he, he deserves an Oscar. I mean, there were a lot of questionable calls, but I'm not going to blame that on the officiating. It was really just a matter of our defense not being smart enough Discipline. to not call for a, a pump fake or slide our feet or just do some of the little things that I don't think we've ever really done well this year. And I don't know if we we might honestly need a practice or two where we can we need need to teach technical skills. Cause I don't, I don't think we're very good at uh, some of the technical things that occur throughout games. Yeah. I mean, another terrible shooting performance as well, like to have multiple games in a row under 40% from the field is just mind boggling. Um, DJ shooting almost DJ burn shooting almost 33 percent and we got there we got their center in foul trouble early and they had a freshman in there who was about 50 pounds less than dj and he still couldn't score on him i just don't get it and yeah they shot 21 more free throws than us because of our inability to drive the ball to the basket and and you know get somebody up in the air with a pump fake or just go into contact instead of shooting floaters or more long twos. I swear we take 
wrong shot in basketball <laughs> more than any other shot that we do and like that is the worst shot oh and I, like, right. we shot 35% and i what were we like 4 to 4 6 to start the game or like 6 of 8 to start the game we made eight threes horn made a three at the beginning of the game jaden taylor made a three at the beginning of the game Mo made a three at the beginning of the game, and Dennis made a three at the beginning of the game in like the first five minutes, and then we couldn't make a shot after. Yeah, that's horrible. I mean, and truthfully, you know, and what kind of what kind of stunk is that you know Michael O'Connell didn't like have his best game against Syracuse. I think he had a lot of he might have had a little bit of pressure, you know, going kind of back home into the New York area. Probably wanted to play really well. I think they I listened to the pregame before before the game started and um he I think they had said he had 30 32 or thir- probably 32 assists to like six turnovers this year entering the Syracuse game and it's the announcer's jinx man I mean yep. like as soon as they said that Michael Connell boom three turnovers well, one assist some of it is is a byproduct of just going against uh Mints, he's a great defender. Yeah, he is a great. I'm not. I'm not discrediting um, Mintz at all. I'm not discrediting him at all. But you know, it still is like you just got to take care of the ball. He 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 had two that I vividly remember in the first half that were like back to back that were just stupid turnovers. Um, but we haven't seen much of that from him this year, and I don't think that's something we'll see going forward. So, um. You know, we've been all negative to, to start the pod, but there was a bright spot, and that was LJ Thomas. I talked about him earlier, seven points in 11 minutes, and he, he just deserves more playing time. Um, Going into, into last year, I mean, as, as a freshman, he efficient score, and he didn't need the ball to score. I mean, he shot – I think he's shooting this year and last year combined – Fifty percent from the, from behind the arc, um, limited attempts. So you expect that number to decrease a little bit if he were to get more playing time. But still, if he was a forty percent three point shooter, I'd be happy. I'd be mm-hmm. so happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I thought maybe he wasn't getting minutes earlier in the year because they were planning on redshirting him. But I I don't think you should. I think he should be playing. Yeah, no, he's a, he is a good shooter, and I and I think more than anybody, he probably he understands his role. Like he's he's understood his role even since last year too, where he's like, look, I'm not going to be the scorer, I'm not going to be this guy, but I am going to be, I'm going to be a dog on the defensive end, and he is a very good defender. I mean, he is. He slides his feet well. He he doesn't, you know, use his hands like Jaden Taylor does. I mean, he doesn't commit silly ticky tack fouls. He, I mean, he's a he is a solid player, and he kind of kept us in it a little bit throughout the game. Granted, you know, we weren't, we didn't have a real big chance to kind of come out and win at, at after kind of being down by a lot in the first part of the game but well yeah and we talked about it in the in the last pod about how um Syracuse struggled from behind the arc 
um, on the year, and then they come out against us and just it is three after three after three after three after three after three to start the game, and we just got down, and it, it was another another game where we got down. It's just this game we didn't have it in us to fight back. Um, and yeah, I mean, another frustrating loss, missed opportunity. And it's like our chances for March are just dwindling like insanely fast. Yeah, I think we're, I mean, we're getting into the late January, rolling into February. We're going to have to win two out of three of at Carolina. At Duke. Is it at Duke? I think, yeah, I think it's back. I think we played Duke at home last year. So we, we play, we, we played them twice. We put them twice last year, but I think this is the one year. Oh no, I guess we do play them at home. Never yeah, mind. I, I thought we did. I thought we. Uh, yeah, I, I, I guess I was in at Pitt. So those last three games, we have to win. I think actually those last four games, we have to win three out of four. At FSU. Um, at Carolina. At Carolina. At Pitt and at home against Duke. I'll just chalk up the Carolina games in L. We have to win three out of four of those other ones. And I think we have to win one of at Wake or at Clemson as well. Yeah. We'll make that. Have a chance. Yeah. We'll make that three and 11 against Syracuse in the last, you know, 14 meetings. Yep. Brutal. I mean, we have a chance to beat them. We have a chance to play them at home. And. Maybe come out with a win there, but who knows? I mean, I'm not very confident. Performance, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get my hopes up. Nope. I, I might not get my hopes up the rest of the year. We'll see about that. But it's gonna be tough. It'll be a tough, tough rest of the season. And um, truthfully, Thomas, it really just does not get any easier after those two losses going into this uh, Miami game. Nope. Um... Miami is 14 and six on the year, only five and four in conference, but they're a lot better than their record suggests. Um, they're not very deep, but they have a really super talented team um, returning three out of five starters from their final four team last year and replacing the other two with an all ACC transfer wing and a scrappy guard who played a big role off the bench. Um, They have five guys who, easily could go for 20 plus on any given night they're pretty similar in ways to uh to wake i'd say where the you know wake didn't have a ton of depth but they had Mm -hmm. you know five five or six guys who Mm -hmm. were really 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 good and um a lot of their losses are um came off of you know injuries uh omir's missed games uh poplar missed a couple games nigel pax missed some games um, and now they're completely healthy. They're going to be full strength against us, uh, tomorrow. And, uh, Jim Laranega always has his teams playing better at the end of the year. So this is definitely going to be a tough one, you know, 9 PM tip. A lot of fans are upset. There's not going to be many people there. Um, so I think the teams don't have to bring their own energy to even think about winning. Yeah. Got to bring our own, got to bring our own fire. I mean, we got to find a way, find some type of motivation to fuel our team because right now we we look like a deer in headlights and it, it's not pretty to watch yeah i know um 
we're gonna have to be ready because they they've got some dudes. Um, talk about Norchad Amir, six seven forward, averaging eighteen points, ten rebounds, and shooting sixty four percent from the field, which is sixth best in the country. Um, he's gonna be our, the biggest problem for us. Um, Miami's nine and two on the year when he gets a double double, and we've been struggling on the glass. And he's just extremely mobile and has shown a great improvement in his jump shot this year, shooting 38% from three. Um, he's just a matchup nightmare, quicker quicker and stronger than all of our bigs. And he just creates a ton of second chance opportunities for a Miami team that is one of the best offenses in the country in terms of and in terms of every statistic, shooting the three, um, shooting the two. Like they they are incredible. Um, you know, he's also capable of just catching the ball at the top of the key and taking our bigs off the dribble. So he's just probably the worst matchup out of any center in the ACC for us. Yeah, and it's that's gonna be that's gonna be brutal because you know our hopefully Middlebrooks and Diara use their versatility to their advantage. But if I'm assuming Keats will probably keep DJ Burns in for much longer than he probably should be in the game. And so that might, that might kill us right there. Well, the but. problem with, with playing both Middlebrooks and DR to keep them to, you know, help on the glass is the fact that Matthew Cleveland is their four and he is a matchup nightmare for DR on the perimeter, you know, Matching it up height wise, yeah, he's it's a pretty good matchup. But Cleveland's just so much quicker, and will just eat Dr alive. And I just, I don't know, he's just another incredibly gifted score for them. Fifteen points on fifty three percent shooting, also averages about six rebounds a game, and he does take a ton of tough shots. So he's somewhat inconsistent on a game-to-game basis but like i said earlier he's a guy that can go for 20 25 points um he's super long he's another you know defensive nightmare um, in terms of on-ball pressure getting into passing lanes creating turnovers for this miami team it's just a there this is probably the worst matchup in terms of just overall team that we face the entire year yeah, I couldn't agree more, and, and it really doesn't come at a worse time when State is, I think, really trying to find an identity, yeah. and um, it's it's bad. I mean, the the I mean, Miami's also got a Wuga Poplar, six five guard, and definitely definitely the most improved player on this Miami team. He's uh, averaging fifteen five and two right now. Uh, their best three-point shooter at 46%. You know, not only is he a, sh- a sharp, sharp shooter, but he is extremely athletic. So his ability to, you know, basically get to the basket is makes him a threat. But he also, because of how athletic he is, he's going to create so much attention and draw so much attention to himself. All he needs to do is be just another guy to, you know, drive to the basket, kick out to an open man, and all they got to do is make a bucket. And they are a very good, very good shooting team. I mean, they don't 
he doesn't have a super high usage rate, but nonetheless, he he will find a way to score. It's not it's really against this Miami team. It's not about us stopping anybody, but it's just about slowing them down enough to be able to kind of hang in the game with them. And then another guy, Nigel Pack, six, six foot point guard, averaging 14 points, four assists. I mean, another great volume shooter. Um, I know you, you, I know you, Tom, have kind of mentioned this, but you know, he kind of reminds reminds us of T- Traquavion, just his ability to shoot pretty much anywhere on the court at any given time while also shooting above 40%. So obviously he's going to be a, the main distributor for them. Use a lot of pick and rolls, which is our our worst nightmare. If when DJ's out DJ, there, absolutely. If DJ's, if DJ's out there, absolutely. So, I mean, hopefully we can find somebody that can, again, slow him down because we're not going to be able to stop anybody. I don't – I. No, we're never going to be able to stop anybody. But if you slow down enough players on their team, hopefully we can create turnovers, make it difficult for them to shoot the ball, hang in there a little bit. But again, I'm not going to get my hopes up. No. Um, a couple more players to quickly go over are um, uh, Benzie Joseph and Keyshawn George. Uh, Benzie is basically Patrick Beverly in college. He's an absolute pest on the defensive end. Um, another guy who can create for others. The worst three-point shooter on the roster percentage-wise, but still shooting 35%. They shoot 39% as a team. And then Keyshawn George, an insanely talented freshman who comes off the bench, and he's just an absolute flame shower, flamethrower. Um Almost 80% of his shot attempts are from behind the arc. We just really need to make him dribble the ball. Um, He's not nearly as efficient when shooting off the bounce. Um, Yeah, I mean, they've got four guys averaging more than 14 points a game. And then Keyshawn George has been in double figures in conference play um, six out of their nine games in conference. So they have guys, tons of them, that can score. Um, So... We really have to not stop them, obviously, like you said, but hope either they stop themselves by just missing shots or um, hope we can somehow slow them down. I mean, when they played Louisville and lost at home, they shot 34% as a team when, um, you know, normally their average on the year is almost 48%. Like, it, we just got to pray, basically. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so keys to the game. We've kind of already talked about um, most of them, but, you know, we'll reiterate. Uh, keeping Norchad or Mir off the glass, if we want any chance of winning this game, we've got to win the rebound battle, like I said. 9-2 and two when he gets a double-double on the year um, in conference play. Or not 9-2 nine, nine, nine on the year, not in conference play, just in general. Um, that limits you know, such a great shooting offense from getting more easy opportunities from deep. Cause you know, they always talk about some of the best times to take a three is off the offensive rebound when the defense is scrambling. Um, so yeah, I mean, we've been like the Virginia game, just 
terrible offense or rebounding performance. We improved a little bit against Syracuse, but that needs to continue. Um, yeah, it's a big it's a big part of the game, and I think another big part is limiting our turnovers. I mean, we've been we really have not been taking good care of the ball in recent games, and it's been like a flip. We used to be able to turn everybody over, and now they're turning over us like like it's taking candy from a baby. I mean, it's just it's so frustrating to see us not being like good keepers of the ball. And it really is what is a deterrent since we're already not a good half court uh, offense. Yeah. And so if we can find a way to limit turnovers on the offensive end and not let Miami gain any sort of momentum on that defensive end, because they're going to probably run out and transition themselves. So oh, yeah. if we can they're one of the best teams in, in the country in terms of like offensive efficiency, like, um, their 12th best, they're the 12th best offense. And some of that is just forcing turnovers, getting out in transition and hitting open shooters in transition. Yeah. Um, they have an effective field goal percentage of 56.5, which means that they're making a ton of threes, um, making just over 10 a game. Um, we really need to get that number down to six or seven if we have, you know, any chance of winning this game. Um, and that starts with, you know, making shots ourselves because the offense will lead to defense. It'll, it'll lead to more energy, more bent energy on the bench, more energy on the floor. Like it, it, it just more energy in the crowd. If we're not going through lulls of, you know, terrible basketball. Right. Six or seven minutes without a bucket or something yeah. like that. Yeah. But I, I guess another thing that we sh that could be used maybe to our advantage that Keats really could utilize is, our, our depth mm -hmm. and you know Miami only plays utilizes probably six or seven guys the entire game so if we can take advantage of keeping our guys fresh constantly throughout the game it might give us a slight advantage it might give us a little bit more of an edge to be able to have players play hard on the defensive end like an LJ Thomas where he can provide some valuable minutes to play defense force some turnovers, create some bad shot shot selections on the defensive end and help kind of push the pace a little bit, keep guys fresh. And I mean, this could it could be used to our advantage. And if Keats uses it the right way and plays the players that are more in the plus versus the minus throughout this game, hopefully he realizes how much of an effect that has and we can continue to be successful in that regard, using the bench and the depth to our advantage, which I don't think we've done in the last couple of games, but hopefully we can, we can turn it around a little bit. Yeah. And if we're able to, you know, get some of them in foul trouble, whether it's Amir, whether it's Cleveland, those are the two main guys that I would like to see if we can try and get them in foul trouble because behind them at that four and five position, they don't have anybody, like that's a threat at all. Um, especially Omir getting him out of the game, somehow getting him into foul trouble, even though DJ Burns cannot draw a foul to save his life. Cause officials say, Oh, he's just bigger than everybody. He doesn't get fouled, which he definitely does. Um, yeah, he definitely does. But it, you know, I mean, 
can't keep complaining to the refs. You got to, you know, at least just, you know, hunker down, play, play good basketball and yep. find, find some sort of spark, some, some sort of momentum to be able to maybe use this game as a learning curve, to, whether we win or lose, use this game as a, a chance to learn about what, to truthfully learn where we can improve in areas where we are already maybe good, successful in some areas or consistent in areas. This could, this game, like I said, whether win or lose could be a big turning point in our season to us figuring out who, what our identity is as we roll into February, because it's only going to get tougher from there. Yep. And, you know, going into that. So then we have Georgia tech on, on Saturday. So you know, under first year head coach, Damon Stoudemire, you know, the yellow jackets have actually performed better than people expected, I guess, with the limited talent that he has, despite them being, you know, nine and 11 on the year, they do have wins against Mississippi state, who is a really right. good this year they're great i think they're ranked they might be yeah but i mean they're a great team yeah they're gonna be dangerous come march duke and beating clemson in overtime at clemson this is not gonna be a cakewalk by any means at all it will be it will be a game where we might struggle a little bit but because we might be overlooking them against some other opponent and that's not going to be that should not be our philosophy. We have to go into this game. It is going I feel like it's going to be a war back and forth. We, we, we have to use the talent that we have against them in a in a big way because even if we do struggle a little bit, Georgia Tech could be that team or like they struggle a little bit, but Georgia Tech could be that team that, you know, they're, they're young and they could be that, that squad that really ruins our chance in come, come March madness. I mean, it, it, they are, they are a little bit sneaky. Good. Not, yeah. not, I wouldn't say like they're great, but they, they don't got any quitting them. They will, nope. they will, they will fight to the end. And I think that is something that Keats hasn't done well is he just tr almost when we're up in games, he just tries not to lose them where if he's down in games, he just is like, oh, I'll just screw it. Then he kind of throws away his whole playbook and lets the people play, which honestly works out better in our favor anyway. Yeah, um, it's a must-win game. Must-win game for sure. Um, getting into some of their players, uh, Miles Kelly, uh, their leading scorer, averaging 14 points and six rebounds. But he's super. he's been super inconsistent this year, probably the most inconsistent 14-point-per-game scorer in the conference. Um, having games where he scores 25 or more and then games where he scores less than six. Um mm -hmm. Nonetheless, he's their most dangerous scorer, and we just have to be aware for aware of him. Um, he's he's a volume scorer, uh, taking double digit shot attempts in almost every game this year, 
and in some games, 20-plus shot attempts. He's their most electric player, but I think I think we have a guard in Casey Marcel that can stop him, like genuinely stop him. Mm-hmm. Um, then we'll get into who I think is their best player, uh, Baye and Dongo, six foot nine freshman, and he's one of the most impre- impressive freshmen that I've seen in this year's ACC class, um, averaging 13 points and nine rebounds while shooting 60% from the field and almost 40% from behind the arc. The arc, definitely their most consistent player. He's just super high motor, big, who does like all the little things on both ends of the court, block shots, rebounds, gets in the passing lanes. And he's also like a guy who can um, – spread the floor and put the ball on the floor and drive the basket, which doesn't bode well for, you know, our matchup with DJ, but he isn't as worrisome to me as like some of the Miami players that we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. So another guy who I, I mean, I think he'll be good if he stays at Georgia tech for a couple more years, like be really ACC uh, all ACC team worthy, but right now he's not quite there yet. Yeah, no, he he has the ability to be really good, and he will continue to develop over the course of the season. And uh, he he proved. I watched them against Clemson, and he he is he is a he is not afraid. He will mm-hmm. he he's a good player, and oh, yeah. we have to keep we just have to keep him in check. Just to make sure he doesn't do anything he wants to do especially on our home floor like we don't want to make that his second home essentially and mm-hmm. another guy we got to watch out for is a uh, kawasi reeves jr six seven transfer guard from florida averaging 12 points four rebounds he he's definitely their lights out shooter he's shooting 40 percent from three and averaging about five attempts per game he's uh he's not I wouldn't he I wouldn't say he's the kind of guy that's gonna go downhill and drive to the basket a whole bunch, but his athletic ability is gonna allow him to get a get a shot wherever he kind of wants. I mean, he's a, he is a sharp shooter, so we have to be aware of him at all times. I know it feels like State has an issue with with these top shooters on these ACC teams. It's just like, we almost forget that they're open and that they're on the floor. Sometimes it's, it's, it's a really pitiful thing to watch because they just, they might not make every shot, but you know, they are getting way better looks on the offensive end than Casey would maybe get from three or Jaden Taylor would get from three or even DJ horn. Sometimes it's just, it's tough to it's tough to watch. And I mean, another guy we got to watch out for is Nathan George. This 6'3 freshman guard, nine points, five assists a game. He's kind of an inefficient scorer as well, but he is also a freshman. So he is still learning the ropes. He is still figuring out his role. He's still figuring out what he is good at, what he needs to work on, and he will over the course of the season. Hopefully he doesn't figure it all out before our game because this man is 
very dangerous in the pick and roll. And like we said before, pick and rolls are DJ Burns' worst nightmare. I'm pretty sure he wakes up in a cold sweat every time he thinks <laughs> about a pick and roll. I mean, good Lord. So obviously this, he is going to be a pass first guy. He is like, he's like, he's the pass first guy like Elliot Cadeau is where he is able to create an offense and often schematics. And we have to prove, we have to make him prove to us that he can shoot the ball lights out and giving him a little bit of space to at least shoot it. That way we're able to help defend and make sure that we don't give up an easy pick and roll basket. I mean, that's going to be a big key is to not give up easy baskets to these guys and giving them a lot of confidence to do whatever they want on our home floor. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, They're only shooting about 41% of the team with one of the most efficient scores in the country in Ndongo. Um, it just really shows that they struggle to score the basketball, just like us. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we can rebound the ball well, another thing that we talk about almost every game. Um, <laughs> the never-ending cycle. <laughs> yeah, and they're third in the ACC in offensive rebound percentage, so we have to limit their second and third chance opportunities to limit an inefficient offense from scoring the basketball. Um. And another key is <laughs> we got to make shots. Uh, Georgia Tech is dead last in the ACC in defensive efficiency by a large margin. Um, so they're giving a ton of open looks all over the court. We just got to make shots. It's It seems simple, but for us, it's not. Uh, I just don't get how we consistently shoot under 40% from the field. I mean, I do because we're taking long twos, but... <laughs> <laughs> long to deserve our team's worst nightmare i mean good lord it's it's bad it's bad i mean we have to get out i mean another thing is we got to get out in transition we got to force turnovers we haven't really done a great job of that in the last couple of games and i mean yes in the virginia tech game we forced a lot of turnovers but there was, a lot of those were you know self-inflicted so making sure that we win the turnover battle you know, granted, we can win the turnover battle and still lose. We've seen that happen a couple times this year. But Georgia Tech is one of the worst teams in the ACC at 13.1 turnovers per game. So speeding them up, forcing them to make bad decisions, getting them uncomfortable. This could finally be the game where we realize our full potential in what we've been able to do all the way up leading up to ACC play, it feels like forcing people to commit silly turnovers and capitalizing on points in transition. And it's just fast break points. I mean, this is, this is the game to do it. And if we don't do that here, it's Jover. It's, it's Jover. I mean, it is, I don't, I don't like our chances the rest of the year if we can't take advantage of this game on our home floor in the way that we know that state can play, but really haven't proven it all season long. Yep. Just a frustrating stretch of games. And we got to figure out a way to get out of a funk. Hopefully, hopefully one of these days we will, but... 
Until then, we just hold our breath and pray. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, this has been another edition of the Howlin' Hoops podcast. Like always, we appreciate all of our listeners. We we greatly appreciate all the all the support, all the encouragement. Please go like us on or and follow us on X or Twitter if you want to call it that. Still, uh, Instagram. Uh, you can follow our Apple Podcast. We're on Spotify as well. Go take a go. Give us a listen. Uh, we're we're growing little by little. We we love all of the listeners. So we love all of y'all tuning in for. Unfortunately, this is a special basketball season again, but you know, we still love you guys listen to us. Well, we we do we love we love doing this. We we love talking basketball and we we appreciate your support and hopefully stay can kind of pull turn this thing in the right direction, I I would assume. I, I would hope so. I, I know Tom, you you definitely think the same. Yep, we're hoping, but we'll see. Yeah, well, guys, thanks again for listening, and uh, go Pack. Go Pack.